wow on more wow. I don't know how many episodes actually start by just saying wow, but when I just revel in the grace and the mercy and the goodness and the greatness of our God in conversations that are just taking place without true expectation of where it's going to go. Sure, there might be some constructs to how we build the podcast or the way the interview works, but ultimately we just steward his spirit. We just want to have the mic and our mouth yield to what he wants from it. And so you're in store today uh, to hear from a prophet, right? And, and a prophet is a man of God, somebody who can hear from the Lord and can speak wisdom and truth into your life. And he actually teaches us how to prophesy. He's actually in uh, training to teach us to continue to train, right? Because as a prophet, as an apostle, as a visionary, as any sort of gifted, talented human, and that is you, I'm calling out you. Yes, you who is listening right now, you are worthy, you are deemed, you are anointed, you are called by the grace of God to stand in the true authority and to know that you're in training allows you to continue to be what he called my word to everyone's word if they know the truth of their being of their nature of the way god works surrendered are you surrendered friend if not today this conversation with the one and only jonathan pettit a worshiper a prophet a speaker a teacher a man of god a soon-to-be podcaster so you got to take a look for him and stay tuned for his incredible sound it truly is one of heaven jonathan i love you brother thanks for being here Welcome to the Fit and Faith Podcast. FIT is an acronym representing founders, innovators, and trailblazers who are looking to live a life wholly, fully, authentically, and truly fit. A space for us to connect on the raw, real stories of mind, body, and soul alignment of entrepreneurs and kingdom leaders. I'm your host, Tamara Andress, and this podcast isn't like the cookie cutter interview experience. I've been coined the entrepreneurial rabbi, and so we do go there, unscripted. No matter how far, wide, deep, or high the there is, my desire is to see people rise from the inside out into their greatest calling by sharing their truest stories, talents, and tips. As a purpose activator and brand builder, I believe our successes and failures are derived from who and whose we are, not what we do. But strategy and vision are equally as important to the mission. So let's cut to the chase together and get fit in faith. Oh man, oh man, you guys are in for such a treat today. I am so excited and humbly honored to introduce you to my dear friend, Jonathan Pettit. If you guys have not had the opportunity to meet him, you're going to leave forever changed in a multitude of ways, not to add pressure on you, Jonathan, (laughs) but because of the gifting and natural anointing on your life, on your ability to speak into people, to teach people, to steward people's hearts, um, and to ultimately connect them to the love of the Father, which we both uh, just stand beneath as children, as brothers and sisters. And I've been so um, grateful to know you over the course of the last few years and to pop your podcast, Cherry. This is really fun. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. That's absolutely right. Yeah, this is my first one. So, which is so perplexing to me because you guys wait till you hear him, guys. He's on stage a lot. Most Sundays of his life, it's been associated to leading worship and and teaching. And so, um, he's going to do that for us here today. Uh, maybe not the leading worship part, but hey, anything can happen on the Fit and Faith podcast. Can you never yeah. know. Never know. 
<laughs> so um, I'm just excited for people to get to know you in the way that I know you and for us to just dive deep in that space. We've already got some live listeners. Welcome to all of those who are here with us live and listening later. So Jonathan, let's jump into the conversation and maybe you'll teach me some things about you that I don't often know. I think that's one of the coolest things about the show is I get to explore and in the process of co-creating this experience, I learn so much. And I always tell people I come with a heart to be convicted, which is bizarre, uh, but also an opportunity for iron sharpening iron. And you do that for me often. So let's go oh, back to, you. to young Davy Jonathan and talk oh, us gosh. through kind of the evolution of how did you uh, unlock this this knowing and this deep love for the Lord and, and who was like kind of mentors along the way as you did that? Uh, well, first of all, uh, I just had to say, like, I feel like I'm in the big leagues now. Um, I remember when I, um, when I, uh, preached at my church the first time about four or five years ago and I was like, okay, I've made it. Like I could go preach other places, but when they <laughs> ask you to preach in your own home church, then, then, you know, you've made it. And I feel like to say, I have that same feeling this morning. Like you're like, you're like the, I've, I've told you this before, you're the entrepreneur, entrepreneurial rabbi. So sitting here with you today is a big deal for me. So, um, yeah, for those of you guys who have heard me say that, this is the man, the myth, the myth, the legend that it came from <laughs> in a coffee shop right here in Virginia Beach. So yeah. uh, that that's such a, like, it's a part of my bio now. I honestly talk about it that's because- awesome. It's something I had to explore. I didn't even really truly know what it meant. And and as I've come deeper into relationship with you, just even since that conversation, um, it's just been such a gift. So I thank yeah, you for that. Absolutely. That. And yeah, I just so have to say, I have to thank a couple of people. I have to thank my hair dryer and my flat iron because I'm having a really good hair day today. <laughs> you are having a stellar and, hair day. And I that's wish I had a really, And I actually like shaved my beard today because you saw me on Sunday. It was looking rough. So I trimmed great. it up this morning. So just everybody should be thankful thankful for that. So uh, we are. Um, <laughs> no, but um, my early years, I tell people that um, I have been in church since conception. Um, I was in the, uh, I mean, I feel like I got saved before I was born, but you know, I have a rich history in um, the prophetic in the kingdom. My parents, um, we were in church um, all the time. I have two other brothers on the middle child, which you, I don't know if you knew that, but that probably explains a lot about me. Um, <laughs> that I'm a middle kid. I'm a middle uh, child too. Oh, come on. Middle children rule. Yeah, that's, come I, on. I love it. So yes, I get it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Maybe that's why we connect so well. So one of the reasons, but um, I tell people all the time that if there was a quota to get into heaven for how much you had to go to church, we'd have met that quota by like 12 or 13. So um, we were in church all the time. Wow. Um, I got saved when I was four and baptized in the Holy Spirit a week later. And um, But even before I was born, my parents, <clears throat> we um, they would go down. Um, we went to a pretty Pentecostal church, and it was pretty diverse. And, um, but my mom and dad, I was born in Peoria, Illinois, the hometown of Richard Pryor. And, um, and, but my parents had a really high core value for diversity and love of all people. And actually my godmother and godfather, um, were black and I was babysat by their kids. Um, and they would drive down to St. Louis, which is about a two hour, two and a half hour drive. And they would drive down with, um, other people from, 
different churches, white churches, black churches, down to St. Louis for revival meetings at a black at black churches, and they did that two or three years. The first one year when I was still in the womb, and then the next year when I was born. And both years, one year an apostle called my mom out when I was still in utero and called her out and gave her a prophetic word over me. And then the next year, a prophet called her out and gave her a prophetic word over me that I'd be a prophet and that I'd be a prophetic voice to my generation. And and then I got uh, saved when I was four and filled with the Holy Spirit at, about a week later. And um, so, yeah, so my parents... My parents were like my spiritual, they were my physical parents, but my spiritual parents as well. They were really, um, really heavy into the word of faith movement, um, which gets a bad rap, you know, um, because of some of the things that of the, the direction that it's gone in the past 30 or 40 years. But the origins of it were very highly biblical, very much about just believing God and and declaring, speaking things that are not. A lot of what we see now when we talk about manifesting things and we talk about activating things, it's just biblical. It's taken from the, the Apostle Paul where he says that we look not to what is temporal, but to things that are eternal because the things that are eternal are the things that are temporal are subject to change. Uh, but, and he says, speak things that are not as though they are. And you look at people all the time talking about manifesting now, right? And that's all it is. You're just, you're just manifesting. You're t- taking a biblical principle and you're using it in a non, non-religious way. Um, but the thing, the fact of the matter is, is that you can take those principles and they'll work any place. Yeah. Doesn't matter because God yeah. created everything. And so, so anyway, um, I, I was in church my whole life. My parents were my, my teachers. I tell people all the time, like I was force fed. They were the, the Bible was like the vegetables for me. Like they were, they force fed us the scriptures. And, and at the time, at the time I, I couldn't stand it. I was just like, Oh my gosh, we got to memorize more scripture. Like what in the world? And, um, and now, I have conversations with people that are like, where did you go to seminary? I'm like, <laughs> my like, kitchen table, pet, pet <laughs> Bible, pet, pet Bible college. Like that's pretty much <laughs> like, awesome. and honestly, like I learned uh, even, and even when my older brother went to school, like his, his fellow students, his fellow Bible students hated him because he completely ruined the curve and he didn't study for any of his stuff. He's like, I learned this when I was 10 years old. Like what's, what is y'all's problem? (laughs) So that's the kind of history and, and not just the scriptures we had. My parents have a rich history in the spirit, in the prophetic. Uh, My dad's a prophet. Um, My mom is probably in my opinion, the most discerning person I've ever met in my life. She can walk into a room and she's like, "Uh, something's not right here. You know, or look at somebody and say, I don't know what's, I don't know what's going on with that person, but something's not right. And nine times out of 10, she's right. And so just watching them, seeing how they uh, interacted with people, learning how to, watching them minister to people. They were the head of the altar ministry team. They were the head of our, um, our like inner healing ministry at Harvest for a while. And, um, and just, just watching them uh, do life. Um, our family wasn't perfect uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Good Lord, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you about that. But um, when I look back on it, it um, my parents were really the main, like the the initial 
um, the initial rabbis in my life, if you want to put it that way. Wow. I, I don't think, at least from the people that I know, that that is not generally speaking the traditional. Uh, I think we're surrounded by some incredible people who have been born and raised into the faith and into um, the examples that have been led. I mean, I could think of some of our best friends, Jay, Anthony, right? Like yeah. they're PK kids, they're pastors' yeah. kids. Um, but I didn't even know what Pentecostal, what that even meant until I was nearly in my 30s. And yeah. so um, I believe that like denomination in and of itself has developed such a uh, massive treasure inside of my life for so many different reasons. Yeah. Um, and, and yet it does have, I hear some feedback, John, John, I don't know if it's, hold on. I'm just going to. There we go. I'm going to mute as I'm talking. Um, but this, this understanding that when you're actually having these experiences that it, it could happen so early in life. It can happen so late in life. And even when I was um, pregnant, I already had my kiddos. I was not really in the, the relational faith and knowing of God that I am now. I was the, probably the church religious Christian that you're used to. It's this knowing that um, there is more. And for somebody, especially from a spiritual father and spiritual mother realm, to mentor you in that, to experience and open the word of God and to speak in tongue or prophetic or vision and all of these different pieces that were completely new information to me when I started to really unpack my faith um, and have that at a young age, which we're now courting our children through, is, is such a magnificent gift in and of itself. Yeah. Um, can you still hear me? Okay. Um, I switched to my AirPods, hoping that'll get the the uh, ring out of it. Um, yeah. Um, the thing is, is that um, I think there's so many. There were so many amazing things about being raised in a spirit filled house. Um, but there were, I mean, you know, being, you know, speaking in tongues, which I mean, I'm in the process of writing a book about that, the importance of that. Um, uh, but just, just the move of the spirit and, and the, and the, the sad thing is, is that I've seen, I've seen everything. I just turned 45 on Christmas day. And so it's been 41 years with the Lord and I've seen pretty much everything you can see. I've seen the glorious parts of Pentecostal charismatic churches. And then I've seen like the really damaging parts of it. Like what, like what are you guys doing? Like, what are we doing? Like, why? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's laughable because it's not laughable. Really? Yeah. Like it, it is. It's a, it, there's definitely a shame component to it, but it's this knowing that God is redemptive um, that keeps us hope filled, right? And faithful yeah. towards it. But it's flesh. Yeah. It's, it's flesh trying to control something that is uncontrollable. Um, and, and I think speaking in the, the realm of prophetic, that's another conversation in the same means in the same right. uh, kind of dynamic, because I think right. we try, and there's, there's some people here live who are saying that this is new information. Prophetic is just something they've newly been exploring. And I think it's important for our listeners to understand this too, because we haven't actually ever had what I would deem like we've had people who have prophetic gifting, but not like a true prophet. Like you said about your father that I believe you are, that it was yeah. actually prophesied that that's what you would become and be. Um, and so I want people to understand it and it not feel like fear-based or religious. Can right. you unpack that a bit? The prophetic? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, th this is the, um, I have to go back just a little bit um, because in the Pentecostal church, 
there was so much um, excess about like legalism. And uh, there was so much uh, fear at times uh, of the prophetic where a prophet would come in. And um, if we, and you and I have talked about this before um, in Exodus, in the book of Exodus, when Moses goes on top of the mountain um, and he, and he says to the Lord, he says, Lord, show me your glory. And God pretty much says, you know, let let's slow your roll there, Moses. <laughs> you know, like come on, we you know, all want to see the glory. <laughs> yeah, everybody wants to see the glory, and God doesn't tell him no. God doesn't. In in a lot of senses, when you ask God for something, He doesn't necessarily tell you no, but He gives you His best, and He gives you what He gives you something better than what you're asking for. And so God doesn't. He says, "No man can see my face and live." But what I am going to do for you is I'm going to make all of my goodness pass before you. And I'm going to declare my name, the Lord, to you. <clears throat> and so what he does is, is he, he puts him in the cleft of the rock and then he let, he passes by him and he lets all of his goodness pass before him. And then God said, and then he says, I'm going to declare my name, the Lord. And my name, the Lord is the Lord, merciful, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiveness. See, he's the merciful, compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love and forgiveness, God. And for the for the Jews, that was called what was called the disposition of Messiah. And all throughout Scripture, from that first encounter with the Lord with from with Moses, it, um, you see it all throughout the Scriptures. You see, you know, even at the dedication of Solomon's temple, where they said, "For the Lord is good, and His mercy endures forever." Uh, David in Psalm 23, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And and then you see it even in the New Testament. You see it all throughout the New Testament about the goodness and faithfulness of God, that he's merciful, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger. And so it was called the disposition of Messiah. So getting back to the prophetic in the first century church, <clears throat> what they would have when a, someone would come to give a prophecy is they would have what's called the bench of three. And it would be three guys up on, up on this race platform. And it would be like a, an apostle and two prophets or two prophets or two apostles and a prophet. And what would happen is the per, the prophet would come or the person would come and they would give the prophetic word. But no matter if the word was 100% accurate, if it wasn't given in a merciful, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, and above and a, um, abounding in love and forgiveness manner, then it was considered to be false. They were considered a false prophet because God is way more concerned than the information that you give than the heart that you give it in. Wow, that's powerful. And so. so Many people have been damaged by the prophetic and been turned off from the prophetic because they've seen people give prophetic words that are not within given in the disposition of Messiah. They've been, they've seen people come in and they've seen prophets come in who have hot like can literally see oh you've been sleeping with you've been sleeping with another man's wife. And instead of, it says love covers a multitude of sins, it doesn't say that it covers up. It just says that it covers. And and instead of pointing that out in front of an entire congregation, what should have happened is they should have been pulled aside or had that person should have gotten into relationship with them and said, this is what the Lord says. And given it in a manner that is correcting, but also life-giving and not shame-based. And so 
Um, my and the thing is, is it doesn't just it doesn't just pertain to the prophetic. In the first century church, everything had to be done in the disposition of Messiah. Whether you were serving people, whether you were praying for healing, whether you were talking to people about you know being a witness for the Lord, everything had to be done in a merciful, compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love and forgiveness manner. Otherwise, it's not the heart of the Father. And so that's why so much of my of what God has called me to is not just to evangelize um, the world, but to really evangelize the church. Because it wasn't until I was about 30, 29 or 30 years old that I learned about the kingdom. And the kingdom is way, way, way different than the church. Um, yes, the church... The church is the governmental organism of the kingdom. The church is not the end all of what Jesus came for. Jesus, Jesus' main message was the kingdom. That's all he preached about was the kingdom of God. And, and the greatest, I mean, he said uh, at one point that, um, that until John, until from the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of God has been preached, and the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. And we use that scripture for spiritual warfare, but it's actually not for that. The actual literal literal translation of that is the kingdom of God suffers from a great pressing in, and everyone is trying to get in. So the great the greatest church growth model you can have is just to demonstrate and declare the kingdom of God. And if you do that, people will literally burn the doors of the church down to get in. There are so many pieces to that that I want to unpack. Uh, one of the first things that you were talking about in the component of how uh, to to deliver the prophetic and and in the character uh, anointing, right, of, of how he displays it, it made me think of Jesus at the well and how Absolutely. she knew everything that she was yes. doing. But he, he didn't call out that as her identity. He called her out as woman. He called right. her out in her truest identity. And so it's no different. And I think we can utilize this more often when people go to point fingers at someone and they're calling out the worst in them. And this is whether you're in the prophetic anointing or not. This is just you're going to work and you see something that's wrong and you're pointing at it and be like, you're a liar. Well, right. that's really not kind. One, because it's not coming from a gentle perspective. It's not coming from a correctional opportunity. And you're taking what could have been an amazing iron sharpens iron experience. And you're now downcasting them into shame, guilt, regret, right. all of these things that are not from the father. And yeah. so I think one of the strategic things, whether you are yearning for the prophetic anointing, which is something that I really lean into, I've been studying for like five or six years this morning. I was actually just talking about it on my Peloton preach that I do. And I'm gonna, and I was I was leaning into the fact that this is something I've yearned for for years, and I think it's something that we have to cultivate in the midst, right? Like while it's an anointing and a gift, there's also components uh, and desire. And as we yearn for the Lord, He will allow us to step into these greater giftings. But right. I would not be able to do that if one, I didn't understand the identity and character of God which has been a pursuit over the last several yeah. years. If yeah. I wasn't able to stand in integrity with who he calls me to be, yeah. and then also to be able to have the eyes, the empathetic eyes of the Lord, to be able to serve something mm -hmm. and that sweetness, like you said, that graciousness when you yeah. serve something that is really heavy. Oftentimes, iron sharpening iron, that's not like a soft scenario. Right. It yeah, hurts, yeah. but yeah. there has to be that grace, mercy, and love associated to it. So I just want to encourage yeah. people that 
this is a methodology of principle of life. It's not a methodology, yes. real principle of profithood or being right. a profit. Yeah. And, 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 and speaking to that, just a, just a practical example, like what, what happens? What do you do if you are ministering and, and like all of a sudden you see someone's like living in immorality? What, what do you do? Well, obviously that's been shown to you or you've seen that for a reason. And so how I respond to it is, um, that obviously means because the, the places that you are attacked by the enemy are the greatest places that the enemy knows that you're going to have victory over him. That that's your destiny. That's what, that's your purpose in life is to destroy those areas in the, in the powers, in the, in the power of darkness. Those are the areas that he knows that you were purposed for. And so that's why he comes after you in those places. And so if someone was living in immorality, I would just look at the person and be like, man, you are such a man of purity. You are, and, and going back to that, speaking things that are not as though they are, because that's what the prophetic is. It is, yes. it is foretelling, and it's forthtelling. Foretelling means that it's, it's, um, you're, you're saying what's going to happen in the future. But forthtelling actually means that you actually speak it and make it happen. And so, if if I, it's not about digging up dirt. It's about finding the gold in people. And so, so we're not in the prophetic, we're not looking to dig up dirt on people. And so much of the prophetic in the past has been about that because we've had people that don't understand the character and nature of God and they're wounded people, they're wounded, they're wounded little kids in the, in the spirit emotionally. And when you're, when you have emotional wounds, then you start prophesying from your soul and from those wounds. And then you're prophesying from a place of shame, you're prophesying from a place of condemnation and you're not calling people not calling things that are not as though they are and so that's just a practical thing if you ever see anything negative on somebody and you're not in relationship with them prophesy the prophesy the opposite just that, I mean, it's just a simple thing. You don't have to get a word from the Lord. If so, if you like, if you even feel that in your heart, like, oh, this person's dealing with this, don't make accusations, man. I, you know, I, you're such a man of purity. You're such a man of integrity. You're such a woman of godliness and just modesty and just innocence, you know. Um, and you would not believe how that literally the stories that I've heard from people and, and heard from other prophets that when you do that, it literally changes the course of someone's life. I think a thousand percent that this is so accurate on so many levels. I know it to be true. Um, it's something that where whether or not my husband knew that he was doing it, he actually called out in me during a season. Come on. Telling me that I was a woman of integrity. I love your integrity. He would never in our entire relationship. I think to that point, we had been together for seven years. He had never said this word to me. And he just kept calling it out on me. And he would see me and it'd be the most bizarre things that he would say. And wow. it would penetrate to the sockets of my soul because it was the opposite, right? It was the juxtaposition hmm. of how I was acting. Yeah. And therefore, it wasn't him having to be like, 
calling me any names, having to force feed, having to be angry over. He literally was exampling the way that Jesus showed up in yes. so many scenarios and how mm-hmm. God the Father in the Old Testament did that with Moses. Yeah. And and it it helped me create clarity over my identity. And I don't know that that's the word that I would have used at the time. I would have said, you're annoying the F and S out of me. Please stop saying that. Right? Yeah. But it's the only reason I would get agitated by it is because agitation yeah. provokes change. Absolutely. If you're agitated by something that is good and whole and pure, it's because you're being called out to stand mm-hmm. in that space. Yeah, so that's so good. Whether it's relational, whether it's emotionally, um, for me, my mind was a massive part of my battlefield. And now having a sound mind, the power, love, and a sound mind, it's a promise mm-hmm. from God that I can stand in that anointing and be able to help other people create clarity in the headspace that is a conduit from God. You can't hear from yeah. God if you're muddied in this space. Yeah. And yeah. so that's one area that I think everyone, and when we talk about mindset and personal development and all of these places that these gurus and personal self-help people are standing in, it is very powerful. They're one nugget away from the truest unlock. And that truest unlock is connecting people to God once they get that clarity, once they have that breakthrough, once they yeah. have control over their mind. Yeah. It's, it's still not going to serve them to the same caliber as if God were in the replacement of that chaos. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really amazing. My, my, um, when you, when you're talking about like, um, mental, you know, coaches and emotional coaches and so many of those people are so much closer to the kingdom than they realize. So like, so so close. Like, uh, I mean, even like, if you look at the scriptures, so much of the scriptures, like we have made the church and the what I call the machine. When I say the machine, I'm talking about um, the church in its worst form. You know, where you just it just yeah. chews people up and spits them out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what the machine has done is it has um, made everything so religious, and it's drawn this horrible line between sacred and secular. Where in a Jewish mindset, for Jesus, there's no such thing as sacred and secular. Everything is sacred. Everything that you do is sacred. Um, that's why he said, whatever you do, do it as under the... Paul said, whatever you do, do it as under the Lord, because everything you do is sacred. And so... Uh, and God made everything. Like, God... Jesus, it's, it says in the Scriptures that there's nothing that was made that was made without the Word. And Jesus is the Word. And so there are so many things that you look at um, that... People are like, oh, well, we can't talk about that because that's new age. And I'm like, okay, well, th- who created everything? This Did is the so devil funny. Cre- Literally minutes before we went on this podcast, I got a text from somebody that I love who said that she has been always um, de- diminishing the power of meditation and that it's a conversation that's constantly happening. You should meditate, all these things. And she is really into her health and wellness and she has always negated it because she felt like it was new agey or woo-woo. And she remembered as she's exploring her, what does she want in 2022? And that health and wellness is a huge part of it as she ages. She remembered that I had mentioned meditation before through my book or my podcast or one of the things. And 
Y'all, the word manifestation, the word meditation, it's biblically rooted. It's an example Mm -hmm. by which the father gave us to have a sound mind to retreat and get connected to him again. And so everything that the world has secularized, you have to go back to the root. You have to go back to the root understanding of the word. You have to go back to the root practice of the of the concept, because if you don't, it's it's all muddied. It's all been destroyed because we are flesh. We are we have sinly nature. Yeah. Fit and Faith Media Co. is dedicated to activating mission-driven leaders in the marketplace by way of publishing, press, and play. Because your story doesn't just matter to you. It matters to move others. We help you dissect and share your message through podcasting, book writing, and business development. These three areas are exactly how my team and I have opened doors to stages, become the best-selling author I always dreamed I'd be, and even the entrepreneur that energetically and joyfully shows up to serve each and every day. Literally nothing I do feels like work. Every day feels like play. And we'd love to help you live the same life of freedom and fun. If you're a speaker, a writer, or an aspiring business owner, let's jump on a call today to vision cast your future together. Go to www.fitinfaithmedia.com. Again, that's fitinfaithmedia.com. Book your call. If you're a founder, an innovator, a trailblazer, or a wannabe, we can help you get there. Let's do it. Yeah, and and I will say this, that there are, like, God made everything, so even meditation. You know, um, Hindus and Buddhists, they meditate, they use mantras and stuff like that, but literally all they did, like, everything that New Age people do, they just stole our stuff. Like, they just literally took the stuff that we were scared of, and they're using our stuff. Yeah. You know, and so... um I, absolutely what you said, go back to the biblical root of it and use it properly. But even stuff like people are like, oh, transcendental you know, or uh, trans relocation, where you go from one place to another. Philip did that. Like he's, it says he was with the Ethiopian eunuch. And then at one, at one moment he was there. And then another moment he was another, another place. It, it's, it's biblical stuff. The enemy can, the devil can only take what God had made and pervert it. That's all he can do. He has no creatorial power. All he can do is take what the devil or the, the Lord, the Lord made and, and steal it and pervert it. But if you look, going back to what I was saying before I got off track, um, if you look at the scriptures, there are so many scriptures that say this is what it is to know God. Like in the Old Testament, in I think it's uh, Micah. Um, uh, no, no, it's in uh, Jeremiah. It says um, to defend the the oppressed and the orphan, and to take up the cause of the oppressed. Is this not what it is to know God? And and then the scripture that says uh, to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. Who has shown you, O man, what is good, and what the what's the Lord require? Do justly, love justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. And then in the New Testament, it says, um, uh, Beloved, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who loves not doesn't know God, for God is love. So what is it? what is it to know God? It's to love one another. And so if we don't have this 
um, thing of the pure and unadulterated religion, like Paul talks about, of defending the orphan and the widow and being undefiled by by the world. Um, if we don't have that heart and understand that that is the heart of God, loving one another, taking up the uh, taking up the cause of the oppressed and the, the orphan and the widow and the poor. And, and and calling out the gold and finding the gold and calling that out in people, if we don't have that heart, then the prophetic is just nothing but witchcraft. Wow. And wow. Nothing That's but massive. witchcraft. And, and yeah. it's this understanding that, you know, people are in this search for purpose and ultimately they're in a search for identity and ultimately they're in a search for love because at the root yeah. of all things is that we just want to be loved. And we, we yearn for it so deeply from the moment you're conceived to the moment you come out to your time right here today. And there's, there's research about how many times a day we should be hugged, right? Like 12 hugs a day. I don't know about you, yeah. but unless it's just my children hugging me like repetitively in that moment, <laughs> I'm right. not getting 12 hugs a day. And especially right. when there's quarantine and especially when there's things going on in the world where you're like, yeah. I'm good, I'll stay inside my bubble. And so we have to recognize that that deep yearning, we can sense that hug, that blanket, that, that spirit filled experience if we're seeking him. And it's, Right. not just a fleshly manner that our needs are met. He does it on a spiritual realm so that we can go out and make disciples yeah. and showcase the character of God because it's implanted in who we are. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, I was just thinking about what you're saying, 12 hugs a day. That's just for normal people. If you're yeah. a physical touch person, <laughs> right. you need, you need like three gifts. times that. Oh my gosh. I'm a, I'm a words of affirmation first and physical touch. And this quarantine <laughs> yeah. has been killing me. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, man. But you're absolutely right. You know, um, this whole thing, I've, I've been really, as a prophet, it's, it's, um, it, it, I feel like there's a mandate on my life and it's kind of started to be fleshed out in the last year. And I think you and I have talked about this of just one of the things of, uh, of the mandates of my life is just to be a, um, a kingdom chiropractor, just to bring alignment to the church. Because I, th- I feel like there are things that we preach that we're like, we're like two or three degrees off. I mean, it sounds good, but we're not getting, we're not, like we're not getting it. We're not getting the results that we should. And we're spinning our wheels like crazy, you know, and not just like a chiropractor of a spine, but I look at it as I've, you and I have talked about this before, uh, uh, actually of the, like a bicycle tire, like a wheel, actually like the church is like a bicycle wheel that is bent out of shape. And all these spokes are going all these different directions. And we need to, we need to straighten the wheel out so that the amount of effort that we're putting forth is actually going to create the amount of return on investment because we're not getting a whole lot of return on investment right now. And so much of what we're doing right now that I see in the church that just breaks my heart is we're the church is so loud. We're just so loud in society. We're so loud about the things that are wrong in society. And we're so quiet in love. We're so silent in love and compassion uh, when it comes to things that really matter. Um, and we we look at people and we're like, this is what's wrong with society. And this is what's, just, you know, this, 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 and this. And we completely ignore everything that's wrong with the church. And the And the world looks at us and goes, how about you take care of your own house first? 
And why would anybody want to be a part of our, like, of of the kingdom if all they see is us shooting each other? A hundred percent. That brokenness. Like, I don't want to walk into the house yeah. of the tumultuous Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner. I'm like, I'm good. Yeah. I'll stay in the comfort of my own yeah. home. I but if, if we can, if we can just like, if we can just start with being kind, like, just be kind. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't talk about Jesus. Don't, don't talk about the things of the spirit. How about we just get back to the basics? Like, be kind. Like, a couple months ago, my pastor was preaching, and it was a phenomenal message. And he said, and I feel like God wants us to take our um, our walk with him to the next level and just w- take it to the next level and just walk in kindness towards each other. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. Because what he was saying was absolutely true, but it was an absolute unintended indictment on the, on the church. Because if the next level of walking with our, our walk with God is walking in kindness, how far have we fallen? Like kindness, love and kindness is the kindergarten of the kingdom. That's good. It's the kindergarten yeah, of the kingdom. And if that's right. where we are, then how immature are we? Oh, wow. And, and so, and so that for me is just like we over spiritualize all of these things that we have, the services that we do, the worship that we do. And it's like, no, John said, if you don't love one another, then you don't know God. And and it and, and it goes it goes back to something I think you and I have talked about before that God has placed a part of him in each one of us. And and we can't we can't stand before the Lord and say well, when we stand before him, we can't say, Oh well, I loved you and he's like or I knew you and he's like, uh yeah, you I don't think so. Like it even says in the scriptures, when he separates the sheep and the goats, there's a litmus test. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was hungry, you fed me. It's the practical things in the kingdom that matter to God. And if you, and, and his, our love for him is so intertwined with each other that we've completely lost it. We think, oh, well, if I, if I have a, if I read the scripture, if I read the Bible for 30 minutes, if I pray for an hour, if I just spend time in the presence, then I love God. But yet, we walk around and we we yell at our parents, we yell at our kids, we we gossip about each other, we make accusations about each other. Like how how can we like how can like that's our witness to the world right now. That's our witness to the world. Yeah. And when 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 we when we look, I I really feel like God's heart is really grieved with how his children are acting right now that we're so loud. And if we would just take six months to a year and just stop talking and just start loving on each other and just start doing kind things for the world. Jesus didn't say he needed, he needed uh, defense attorneys. He said he needed witnesses. Mm, Come on. That's so good. People who have, people who have witnessed that he didn't say defend, defend the scriptures. He didn't, he said, Paul said, be prepared to give an account for the hope that is in you. Be prepared to give an account of your story of how the master came and touched you and rescued you. He didn't say stand up on the rooftop and defend the scriptures. He didn't say any of that because none of that is going to truly change somebody's heart. It's going to be the power of your testimony 
that is the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And your testimony says the testimony of shame and the testimony of rejection and the testimony of failure, all of that and how God was faithful. You sharing that testimony is more prophetic than you will ever understand. Wow. And you don't think about it like I don't think about the gift of prophecy connected to my testimony. I think about it from how can I inject positivity towards the testimony that that person's going to walk out. But that's really powerful and actually really freeing because that means I've been walking in the prophetic for quite a few years because I really stepped into sharing my testimony very soon after understanding the scripture of sharing your testimony and, and the power of your testimony to transform. And, and it's an agent in which I get to glorify God, not myself by any stretch of the imagination. Right. I am still less than I am still weak. I am still becoming all of those concepts. But yet there is a sense of perfection in the healing power. There is a sense of perfection in the comfort. There is a sense of perfection in the fact that I have a seat at the table, no different than you, that we are worthy and called and anointed yeah. and beautiful and yeah. work. Like he was a crafter. The fact that Jesus himself did like wood work, right? I think of this all the time. I've never actually said it really out loud is the understanding that there's construction happening all around us. There's also deconstruction happening all around us. And his power was to come and rebuild, to rebuild and to create fresh foundation for us to live within the nature and the comfort of his home. And yet we're constantly going around destroying, comparing all of these things that are of a satanic nature. And yet we think because we're not doing anything quote unquote wrong or sinful that we're not hurting. What is the church? What is the Christian reputation? What is all of these pieces of kingdom that isn't the invitation in and of itself? Um, yeah. I think that that's so incredibly um, necessary for us to stand in. And it's why I created a media company, because I want more people to have freedom in sharing their testimony, whether through voice or written word. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's so powerful. Um, and even with you sharing your testimony, what what people have to understand is when you share your testimony or a testimony of something God has done that you've seen, what you're literally doing is you're sharing some you're sharing a time where Jesus manifested himself and it's giving per, that person that's hearing that permission to say, God, now do it again. Yeah, You did it for that person. Now you, that means that you can do it for me and that you will do it for me. You know, and so every time that you declare your testimony, your your life story, every time you declare it, that's not the totality of what the uh, all the prophetic is, but it's such a powerful thing. You know, um, every time you declare that, you release you release creatorial power into someone's life, and you give them permission to believe God for them to say, "God, do it again." You did it for Tamara. God, do it for me. I also think that there's a component of, of hindsight being 2020, right? And, and people so often think that like God's never been there for me. There's anger associated <laughs> yeah. to the fact, right? There's anger associated to yeah. the fact that God didn't show up for me, but he showed up for her. He showed up for him. Yeah. And there's, there's this component of, well, I'm not seen. I'm not known. I'm not heard. God didn't hear my prayers. He didn't answer it yeah. in the way we wanted it to be heard. And when yeah. we testify, we have an opportunity to showcase that experience. It's like reading a story or even the parable and to find yourself in that story and to find yeah. those examples of your life in that story. And you're like, wow, 
you're right. That actually was my story too, but I've never given God the glory in that. Yeah. I've never, I just thought it was coincidence. I just thought it was happenstance. I just thought I got to meet my husband in middle school because we were just so in love and we only had eyes for one another. No, that's yeah. God testimony. And there's yeah. so many pieces to our stories that are like that we, that we don't glorify. There's a book um, by Squire Rushnell called The God Wink or When God Winks. And I was mm-hmm. using, utilizing this, this phraseology, God Wink, for a while. I said it on the podcast before as, as my version of coincidence because it's associated to God. It's like when you see that rainbow and after and you're like, oh, my gosh, that rainbow was just for me on the perfect timing. Yeah. It's a God Wink. Yeah. But this book, it's super, super small. It's the fastest like mealtime read or flight read that you could have. But associated to that is all of these massive people of, of fame, I guess, that you would uh, denote as as worthy of something great. And yet right. they go through and they share their God wings <clears throat> all of the times that they di- didn't recognize that it was God, that when they gave the power back to God, rather than owning it for themselves or giving yeah. even the enemy control in that realm, it transformed their life moving forward. People like Oprah, um, people like uh, who are in the Hall of Fame, people who are athletes and singers and all of this. And it just, yeah. it brings life to the fact that if we were better at that, if we were better at just simply being kind, because kindness creates, um, is stemmed and is cultivated through conversation rather yes. than the ignore of the person who just opened the door for you, rather than yeah, the ignore yeah. of the bank teller who just passed you money or the person at the fast food restaurant or wherever it is that you are, why don't you see people? And actually then that's a small, small seed of kindness that can grow and flourish because if we're all meant to be seen, known and loved, you're loving in that moment. I just think it's so yes. much more powerful than we give it credit to. No, absolutely. And even going to that point, what you were just talking about, a couple of things. When we see someone who's holding up a sign that says, we'll work for food, you know, please help. Instead of our hearts closing up like, oh, man, that what a bum. Like, get a, get a life, you know. Instead of seeing that, how about we look at it through the filter of Matthew 25. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When you've done it to the least of these, my little ones, you've done it unto me. So maybe maybe if you're looking for an encounter with God, you need to go find some homeless people and encounter Jesus there. Mm, so good. And ask because, them their name. This is something yeah, Gary yeah. Um, instills in, in us and in the kids. Your husband's so good at that. He is. Your husband like, convicts me every time. I'm just like, man, I, am I, do I even believe in Jesus? <laughs> He like is, seriously he's so good he's so oh he's man so, so we're driving we had just given this like um dollars that my my daughter actually saves her daughter her dollars and puts them in the car so that when we see a homeless person she can get uh, come on so yeah. she rolls down the window and she passes over um this money and we're about to drive the the light is green and it's like everybody's going there's a honk horn and and gary rolls down his window he's like brother what's your name and he's like me he's like yeah what's your name he's like elijah first off Elijah, biblical reference to greatness, right? Anointing on. on this man's life. And after we asked his name, he smiled so much bigger than when we gave him money. money is kind of one of those like uh, I can give you this but I can't give you my time Uh, I can give you this resource but I can't give you my energy and so there was just oh it was just one of those moments so tiny and yet so impactful so later that day we were coming back and we we went around the same corner where he was standing earlier that morning it was probably five hours later he was still standing there 
We rolled down our windows and we're like, hey, Elijah. Come on. Seen, known, heard. The dignity that you created, the dignity that you gave him. It's dignity. That's you're restoring royalty back to him. That's what you're teaching your kids is is restoring royalty, and that's why you and I've talked about this before. That's why about six months ago, the Lord really told me what was at the root of racism, and it really is. It really is the fact that it's not about white and black. It's about the fact that what we what I said earlier that God put a piece of Himself in every single person. He put a He put a puzzle piece, a mosaic piece of what He actually looks like in every single person. And the root of racism is the enemy trying to make sure that the face, the display of God's face in the earth is incomplete. Because if He can rob dignity from the black culture or any culture that has been oppressed, if he can rob the identity and the dignity and the royalty from that culture, then the face of God is, it's impossible for the face of God to be fully displayed in the earth. Come that's on. what's at the root of racism. Come on. And that's why we have to, that's why we have to war as a, as, as a believers in the kingdom to actually look at our black brothers and sisters and anyone who is oppressed and, and the homeless and the poor and say, Hey, what's your name? I you I know you need to be seen. I'm going to make sure that you're seen today in every interaction. I, you need to be seen because you're royalty. You might not be walking in it yet, but you are royalty. And so that is so powerful. Your kids are learning such a valuable lesson because dignity and royalty, royalty and dignity are such a huge thing. Because if you don't have dignity, if you don't have internal dignity for yourself, then you just walk around with no hope. You walk around with no hope, like this is this is what life's given me. But when people like you and your family, hey, what's your name? You know what? And my mom, I mean, I love I learned generosity from my mom and dad so early in life. Sometimes it was really painful. I mean, it was like, why are we giving a car away? Well, the Lord told us to. But even now, my mom and I, I'll, I'll go out shopping with my mom, and my mom will buy Chick Fil A gift cards. Not for us. She'll just give them to give out to homeless people, to people that need food. $10 Chick-fil-A gift cards. We don't have money, but we got gift cards. Here, this will get you a meal. <laughs> I love that. You know? I love that. And, and, and so it's, but it's that thing of, it's that thing of, no, everyone was given a piece of, uh, of the face of God when, before they were born, whether they, they're walking with him or not. You know, it, it, it really is. And even when, and I wanted to share this real quick. Um, and, and, the, and you know me, I'm pretty transparent. And this is a story. This is one of those stories that I don't share very often, but it, it's about, um, hindsight. Um, so up until about the age of 18, I was a pretty chronic bedwetter, like every night, like every night. And, um, and, um, I remember, like when I was probably eight, nine, 10, 11 years old, um, it was bad. It wasn't like I went to bed and I woke up and it was like, oh, there's a little pee on the sheets. It was like I like flooded the bed. And, um, and we had, pl- I had plastic sheets on my bed. And what I would have to do is every night I'd have to get up in the middle of the night and I'd have to strip my bed, take it to the laundry. I'd have to get a towel, wipe the bed down, sanitize the plastic sheet again, make my bed again. It was like a 15, 20 minute process. And every single time I woke up in the middle of the night, I was filled with shame. Just 
feeling like a failure, like, God, why can't I go through one night without wetting the bed? And about, it was about, I think I was about 28 years old and I was sitting and I was praying with my mom and she was doing some, um, theophostic, uh, uh, inner healing stuff with me and we were praying and, and this memory just popped up and, and I said, and I was like, Lord, why am I here? And I, I remember seeing this memory as clear as day and I was laying in my bed. I think I was 11 years old and I woke up and the bed was just drenched in urine. And I just remember just crying and feeling so ashamed and like such a failure. And um, then all of a sudden I saw the Lord walk into the room and I saw him stand by my bed and he had just the kindest look on his face. And um, he lifted up the blankets and he said, he said, buddy, um, he got into bed. He got into the bed with me, and he said, "Buddy, if you if you got to be here, I'm going to be here with you." And it's one of those moments that you, when I was growing up, the Lord wasn't portrayed as a kind person. It's very legalistic, very angry. And it was one of the first times in my life where I actually saw God as kind. And it's one of those moments that when I'm in a really bad spot where if I'm struggling with depression, I'll go back to these moments and just be like, Lord, thank you for rescuing me, you know? Because he's just so kind. He's so much better than we've been led to believe. He's so much better than we've been led to believe. And and it's and I, like when I saw that, all the shame left. All the shame was gone. And it was, it's just one of those times where if we can look back at our life, I love Graham Cook. He's a, an amazing prophet. And he says, in the moments of trial, don't ask God what he can do for you. Ask God who he wants to be for you in that moment. Like, who do you want to be for me right now? How, how should I relate to you? And I just remember, I've never been able to tell that story without crying because it's just, I remember how messed up I was. I remember how, I mean, I know how messed up I still am, but I remember how racked with shame and guilt I was as a kid. And I remember how it was so hard. And then I just remember Jesus showing up in his kindness and his love. And just, he, there was no condemnation. He's just like, I'm going to be here with you. And, and then he like, then he like, I got out of the bed and he just started cleaning me off and he changed my bed and he tucked me back in and he kissed me and he told me he loved me. And it's, it was just one of those things that really transformed my view of God to be able to say, and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, why did I have to go through all the things I went through as a kid? I was really sick. I had asthma and allergies really bad. We were in the hospital three nights a week and my brothers, both my brothers never had issues I said, Lord, why did I have to go through all of this? And he, he very clearly spoke to me and he said, he said, buddy, if, if you didn't go through this, you'd never under, you would never know the aspects and character of my nature. You understand character, my aspect, the aspects of my character and nature. Like most people don't. Like I understand the grace and the mercy of God 
in a way that some people just don't because of the things that I've gone through, but the kindness that he's shown me and the mercy and the compassion that he's shown me. And so when I see people fall, when I see people in trouble, there's never condemnation. It's just like Jesus just encountered them like you encountered me. How can I be your hands and feet in these moments to just love them in, in their mess, love them in their in the pig pen? You know, love them in the mud, get down in the mud and say, hey, if you got to be here, I'm going to be here with you. And I'm not leaving until we get out. That's so incredibly impactful. Thank you so much for sharing. I can bear witness to similar scenarios in my own life of being able to just have that moment of redemption that he was there. He's been there and he's always going to be there. Um, and and to rest assured and rest assured that it's it's not in the dark that he doesn't exist, right? A lot of times yeah. people think that he's a god of light, so he's only in the light, but he's actually shining light in the dark through our situations yeah. for us to be able to still be here. And um, that's his grace and mercy. That's his kindness. Oh, yeah. That's his goodness. That's his love. That's all the things that you've been speaking to this entire time. But what an impactful like bow to the conversation um, and in a space of humility. So. I love you. I'm so proud of you. you. I know that there is more greatness, right? There's more greatness for us to uncover. And there are new things that he is showcasing to us in our life right now. And, And this is a message for everybody who's listening that like even the quote unquote anointed, even the ones who are shining really bright walk through fire and and God, God is still persistent in those places. And so this is not a, a, we figured it all out podcast oh, no. oh, we're in the valley fighting right beside yes. you and there are definitely yeah. moments where we need that breath of life breathed back into our dry bones and yeah. that's why i say yes to this podcast and explore it with people every single day and so um just continued fight i called you a warrior the other night and that's true nah, come are. on Yeah. And see, even that like what you're saying there is the thing that your husband was doing with you because I don't feel like a warrior. It's that speaking that's 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 prophetic. That's the prophesying that's speaking things that are not as though they are thing. So I, every time you say it, I receive it, even if I'm not fully walking in it, even if I can't fully believe it, I receive it. Well, there will be that hindsight, just like that integrity where, where you're like, yeah. man, that was the pinnacle. That was the moment. That was the shift. That was the word that I needed that ignited something inside of me to act. Right? Yeah. And that's our God is a God of action. He's a God of movement. He's on the move um, with intention every single day. And so um, even if we're stuck in that pit, he's there. But boy, does he want us to get out and step out of the boat. Um, I just encourage everyone who's listening to uh, connect with Jonathan. You can you can connect with him on Facebook. He's also John David and his Instagram links and stuff are here. Cannot believe this is your first podcast. And Kelly, who's listening (laughs) live right now, is like, no way. This is so good. I told you I told you you're in for treat well this isn't the first time i've like talked about this stuff it's the first time this has been recorded on a podcast so done it is sealed time and i am grateful and look for my podcast within the next couple months i'm going to be starting my own so hey come on yeah good y'all i'm so excited for it jonathan thank you so much for being here i love you brother Uh, i'm honored yeah absolutely all right yeah absolutely tune in to all things fit and faith we love you tag us and uh we'll uh, tag you back it's it's the part of the fun of the game is we're in community together there is no i in team and there is definitely no i in in god love you grace and peace 
Hey y'all, it's me again. Before you go, let's solidify the flame that was ignited within you today by sharing the spark with your own community. Whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally, relationally, or spiritually, I would love for you to take the step right now by declaring your takeaway. Snap a pic of the episode and share it on your stories or posts, and you can tag me and the guest, and we will surely feature you on our Instas. Hey, you might even unlock a new accountability buddy in me or them. We're totally in this together, and we appreciate the extra step taken. I would be so grateful if you even took the extra step. Come on, give me that extra sauce and leave a review on iTunes for the podcast listening app that is of your choice. I'm going to be featuring your thoughts, in fact, and this will be so fun in upcoming episodes. So you'll not only hear your name on the show, but maybe even your passion project or whatever big shout out you want me to make. So please, as a fellow writer, leave some words that I can attest to, and I can't wait to read what you have to say. Thanks again for being a loyal listener, and I hope to meet you in person soon at one of the events that we are speaking at or hosting. And I say we because the Fit and Fake team could not do this without you. Until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. This is the Fit and Faith Way. Hey there, it's Carly Mercoulier, host of Therapy and Theology, a weekly podcast that explores popular topics and questions related to faith, feelings, and spiritual formation. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.